0: You guys, continue to pray for him. He had knee replacement. Um, now, two weeks ago, and he's been recovering very well. Should be back in the pulpit here um, next week. So, keep praying for him. And rehab's going well on that stuff, but I know it's kind of a hard thing to get over. So, this morning, I thank you guys for being here. My name's Luke. For those of you guys who don't know me, um, we will continue in the book of Ephesians, um, jumping into chapter three this morning, and. The title of tonight, or this morning's sermon is Requirement of Repeated Revelation. And um, we're not going to really dive into the title in, in a super deep way right now, but we are just going to jump into the scripture right um, off the bat. And I forgot to put in on um, the first two uh, verses just to give us a little context. So I'm going to read those, and then the rest will be on the screen. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he may know to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When we read this scripture, there's two words that really stick out for me, and that's revelation and mystery. And those two words in our culture can carry a lot of different meaning and almost have kind of a spooky or a Mystical like title. Revelation is something that's kind of crazy or a mystery, is something that can never be found out. And so, before we really dive into what exactly the scripture is talking about, I just wanted to um, define these words. And in the Greek, revelation just simply means something that's revealed. And so, when he says revelation, there's been something that's revealed to him. Made known means something that's been clearly told. And so, when we look at this church, and this carpet is definitely red. If I said, this carpet is red, it's been clearly told to you that this carpet is red. So all he's talking about when it's been made known to me is God's made this clear. Then when he says, mystery is a secret or something that's been hidden. And so when you think about mystery and revelation going together, you can think about like a a game show where they have the prize behind the curtain, they reveal the prize and the mystery behind the curtain was the car or whatever um, the prize was. And so when he's talking about this revelation, this mystery, it doesn't have to be things that are like so overwhelming we can't get them in our head or, or seem kind of intimidating. Always meaning is is kind of short, as we've written at the bottom, by God's revealing, he has clearly made known to me what was hidden. And so, as we go on back to the scripture, let's just read it again and see if it, it brings more clarity to us. How that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which you, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And for those of you who are new or or visiting, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and Johnny's been really laying out what the the book of Ephesians is written as a letter. It's one sermon, it all ties together, and we saw in chapter 1 that we're called out. We're called out by God into this intimacy with Him that we would be in Christ. Chapter 2, we talk about this family, that the mystery is that we were separated by God, but now by Jesus Christ and by His grace, He's broken down the middle wall of separation, not only between us and God, but us and each other. That we had come to a family and by one spirit as a temple access God. And now chapter 3 talks about the church being a mystery. And so when he talks about the mystery of the gospel, that this mystery in Christ has now been revealed to us by the finished work of Jesus. So now I want to jump into what is, oh sorry, I didn't want to hit this slide actually. There is a mystery that has now been revealed to us in Christ so that you can understand it. And just to hit this point home, that this mystery has been revealed not for us to search forever and ever, but it's been revealed so we can understand. And that's a really cool thing. There's a mystery that God's hidden from the ages that's now been made understandable by what Christ has done and something we can see and we can find. So now I want to go back to the um, sermon title of The Requirement of Repeated revelation. And I was thinking about this in marriage, and um, I'm getting ready to get married. I'm in April, so that's exciting. And uh, I've been thinking about marriage, praying uh, for Sarah and for myself in that regard, and just been, been thinking about marriage as a whole and with revelation. And think about marriage if once you got married, you decided you are living in two separate rooms, and in the morning, you were going to write a note and leave it for the other person, and they would get it, and they'd read it during the day, and then at night, you would write them a letter about what happened during the day, and you'd leave that on the counter, and then you'd go to your room. And that was your interaction. is you leave each other these letters, and you were married. We can all probably agree after maybe a week or a year, that'd get pretty old, right? That, that you wouldn't have any intimacy. You wouldn't know that person at all. Because all you have are these letters, and it's um, like a, a leaf in a pot. You're not connected to the plant. You're just around each other. And when this title says the the... Um, requirement of repeated revelation that I know when I was getting to know Sarah, the thing I needed to know about Sarah was things that were revealed about her to me. And I found the more time we spent together or maybe a little bit arguing here or there or time in the Word or prayer, whatever it's been, time with her has revealed things about her that I could have never known unless I saw it revealed by her to me. And the same way Jesus has made revelation Requirement for us because we can't get to know Him by proxy. We can't get to know Him just by other people. We can't get to know Him by things we understand. But He has to reveal this to us. And think about it it's a mystery, something hidden. If God's hidden it, He's the only one that can reveal it to us. And so, although we can convict each other and encourage each other, that encouragement is for us to take that encouragement or to take that truth back to Him so that He can confirm it, that He can, can show His Spirit bear witness with our Spirit. Why? Because it builds intimacy with us with him. That revelation produces intimacy. And so God has required revelation in our relationship with him for the purpose of knowing him. Not for the purpose of one extra thing we have to do or some mystical thing we have to figure out. But he's done it for the purpose that in the same way with marriage, that we would be designed and require a relationship with him and intimacy as we move forward in our relationship with him. So the next scripture, um, one that's used a lot in in our church culture is Matthew 7, and he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So my question is, why does God want us to ask? Why does he want us to seek? Why does he want us to knock? Because it brings us what? To him. And when we're brought to him and he reveals things to us, it deepens. So that we can know him, and we can know what he wants us to do. So even this a- aspect of Matthew seven is not about what we can get, but it's about us coming to Christ in revelation. So our intimacy with him is deepened. I was thinking about this aspect of revelation, and, and last week we talked about how God has worked all things according to counsel of His will. So even the Old Testament. Everything was some type of a prototype leading towards this revelation of Christ that be revealed to us. Now, I was thinking about Moses really came to my mind. And it says Moses was a friend of God. And through Moses' life, he knew God. He received from God. Um, but I was thinking about Exodus 20. This is where he has to get the Ten Commandments. He goes up to Mount Sinai and it says he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. God could have given him the Ten Commandments in five seconds or in one day or in one hour if he wanted to. So why did God require 40 days and 40 nights for Moses to get these Ten Commandments? Again, purpose of revelation, to bring us to God so we can know God. And during that time, there was some suffering for Moses. He had to climb this tall mountain. He was fasting. He was praying. He was doing these different things that required suffering. But yet, it brought him to this intimacy with Christ so he could take the word of God back to his people. But this is how Israel responds as Moses gets off the mountain. It says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. And what did the people of Israel do when they got this revelation from Moses? They were afraid, and they didn't want to talk to God. And they said, Moses, you go talk to him. And in a lot of ways, now in the New Covenant, we've talked about, for them, that middle wall of separation wasn't broken down. So they didn't really know what to do with this information. They didn't know what to do when they saw God, because they knew he was so holy that they couldn't even be in his presence. But now it says that this middle wall thing of separation has been broken down, so we no longer go through mediator, but we can go to Jesus Christ. But we do our, ourselves such a disfavor when we hear a word at church. Or we read something in the Word in our own quiet time, and it's good information, but then it's just kind of like, Moses, or pastor, or friend, you talk to the Lord and just tell us what we need to do, and we'll just do that. But God didn't give Moses the Ten Commandments for the purpose of rules. He gave it so Moses would know the heart of God, so his people would know his heart. In the same way, when we have exhortation, we learn new things in the Word, it's for the purpose to come back, and why does God have it that way? Why does God say these things? So that we would know his heart, that we would know him and we'd grow intimacy with him. Because how did following the rules and telling Moses to talk to God, go for Israel, end up in the wilderness for 40 years? There was a continued disobedience because they never stepped into intimacy with him. They never had their own revelation, but they always had to um, rely on the revelation of someone else. I want to look at a few scriptures where Paul prays for people right after they get saved. And so he's, these are people, prayers for people who are already saved. They have Christ, they've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and this is what he prays. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of the glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, or the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And the point with this is sometimes I think we get saved and we're so pumped, we think, like, that's all the revelation there's ever going to be, and now we've just got to stuff. But Paul's saying, now that you guys are saved, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, look at all the things he's, he's praying for them to grow in. He's praying with the eyes of their um, understanding would be enlightened that they would have revelation in what? Knowing him and the knowledge of God. He wants them to, to go into deeper intimacy with Christ for themselves. Philippians, very similar here. He says, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the way of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. And here it talks about that your knowledge would be in what all discernment. I don't know if anybody in here, we're going to get to this a little bit later in more detail, but has ever been frustrated with another Christian or somebody in church? Like, how could you not know that was wrong? Or how could they possibly ever do that? And you look at this, and Paul's praying for their discernment why because discernment and good discernment isn't given just based upon us being saved it's something that as we're sanctified and as God reveals things to us our discernment is sharpened and, and brought into deeper deeper understanding and so oftentimes I think we get frustrated with Christians of like man they're believing they should know better well according to this not necessarily we should to the extent know better like we have the Holy spirit but there's this, this there's a discernment that Paul was continually praying for the people of God to have. Hebrews 5, I missed verse 12. Let me turn that real quick. Um, the rest will be on the screen. But verse 12, he says, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God, and you have come to eat milk and not solid food. Now he says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. But solid fruit belongs to those who are full of age; that is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So again, what's what's Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, praying for these guys um, in this this instance? Is that again, their discernment would be sharpened. They would know what is good and evil. But this would happen by being exercised. And the thing I think is interesting about this is you look at what Paul says are elementary principles of Christ. And when I read these, they don't seem exactly elementary. He talks about um, going on to perfection to lay hold of the foundation of repentance. Repentance from dead works. If we gave um, everyone who went to church this Sunday in Fort Collins a survey about what is repentance and how do I do that, I mean, it's not necessarily a simple question. That's a deep thing of the Lord. And then it says, um will so have faith toward God. The about he is done. On That's all it's a The resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Shouldn't and will be. Nah, you not a nice board. And so when we look at these things, no, this weird. I think the exciting mm-hmm. thing is, is, how much there is to know about. Yeah, how was, uh, the next out, in the, the inherent, and and I don't want to send him into feedback. He's got it behind go back, his car. Um, is the issue. To oh, okay. He's laying out, um, yeah, I don't like this book much. I might just But they would understand. That this understanding can happen, but we can't have that by proxy. We can't have that by just church. Those are good things that lead us to what? Our own revelation in Christ. We need the whole council, but it's for the purpose of being in him and the purpose of knowing him for ourselves. Um, so as we get back to our point, I should have just done that verse again. All right. So back to the marriage analogy. Marriage and yesterday's love in the church at Ephesus going back to say we don't write notes, we have a real relationship with people and, and our spouse, we're, we're living with them, we're talking to them, we have, we have a great first you know, five years of marriage or whatever it is. But say at that five year mark, we said that five years was so good, that's going to last us for the next five years. And now for the next five years, we're just going to hang out with our friends, we're going to take vacations, we're going to do this stuff, and we're not going to spend that much time together. What would happen to those five years? The last five years wouldn't be wouldn't sustain you during that time. Really, it probably wouldn't last that long. I haven't been married yet, but I know from advice from people who have been married longer than I've been alive has been that continual um, importance of your marriage, the continual investment in each other, the continual prayer for each other. And why is that true? Because when we build intimacy, it can be broken apart pretty, clo- or pretty quick when we stop what? Knowing things about each other. When we stop what? Being invested in each other. In the same way... Sometimes we wonder why our relationship with Christ is so dry, because it was so good a month ago. Well, if we haven't spent time with him very intentionally last month, it's no wonder we're getting pretty dry, because this aspect of the the revelation required, not only required, but repeatedly, that, that God has set it up, that we would continually come back to him. And what happened in the church of Ephesus, in Revelation, it says you've left your first love. And when you guys think about first love, what comes to mind right off the bat? Honestly, for me, I think of kind of that puppy dog love or that, like, infatuation. But when I was thinking about that scripture, that can't be what he's talking about because that would again lack discernment. Like, when you first meet somebody, you love them, but you don't know that much about them, and you don't really know how to work your relationship. So that wouldn't be a great thing to return to. But what is true of our first love is we are so excited and we're so intent of knowing that person. Um, I use this... first service as well, but just, I know when I first met Sarah, my first thing wasn't I'm going to call all her friends and her mom and find out everything I can know about her and that's how I'm going to get to know her. The first step was like, spending time together and doing whatever we did. And so the first step in a first love is revelation, is having things revealed to us by that person. In the same way with Christ, when we stop that intentional um, pursuit of him, we stop that hunger like David says in the Psalms like a Um, Dear who pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. When that part of our our heart starts to go away, our relationship with Christ will begin to suffer, and our our revelation with him is very much needed. Because in the Church of Ephesus, what happens, he says, if you don't repent of this, um, I will remove your lampstand. That, That it was a very serious thing to leave the first love. So what is the purpose of this kind of revelation talk? We've talked about to be in him, to know him. But this verse, I think, really captured this very well. In Acts 17, Paul's in Athens, they're worshiping idols, they don't know the true God. And this is how he explains who Christ is to them. He says, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their preappointed time and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might go for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. And one thing, we're going to read this again. I'm going to put my name in there, but I want you guys to kind of fit your name in there from the standpoint of Christ has done all this, this mystery of the gospel. He's broken down this middle wall of separation. Why? So that Luke would seek the Lord in the hope that Luke might grow for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. That Jesus has done this, so that, that he's wanted you to pursue him from the beginning of time. And it's crazy about that is, what do we have to offer God? But yet, this whole time, he's been wanting us to pursue him. And not only pursue him, but, bro, I don't use that word very much, but it's like an intense, like, I need that, is what he's saying. And so, he, Jesus is talking about, man, I've done this so that you would have this intense, this intensity to find me and to search me and to seek me. Why? So that we would come into relationship with him, so we would come in to intimacy with Christ. as we continue on to John um, chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 um, we look at, at what an opportunity it is to understand this mystery in Christ and the only way we can understand the mystery of Christ is by revelation from him he's the only one that can show us there's been things on my heart I don't I want to swing it's going to go maybe a little Debbie downer for a second but hopefully swing back to encouragement at the end of this conversation I've had recently um, Especially, even out of four columns, I'm not pinning on anybody here, <laughs> but um, of the church. And, and when we look at this intimacy with Christ, what does intimacy with Christ do? It, it gets us so enraptured with him that nothing else, we don't want anything else. Because what we see in him is so good, it's so satisfying, that he satisfies the deepest intents of our heart. The thing that's been convicting to me is when we look at the church as a whole, the question is, are we really, are, are we doing this? Do we have revelation from him repeatedly, or do we just, like Israel, have the commandments? We know what to do, so we do the commandments. But are we growing in intimacy with him? Because in John chapter 4, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. The super encouraging thing about that is Jesus died so that you can be always satisfied in Him. Never discouraged, never down, never lost, never confused. Now, does that happen where we're never lost, never discouraged, never confused? No. And that's not the point. That, that there is repentance, that He wants to bring us to Him. But the point is, is that when we are receiving revelation from Him consistently, this will be true in our lives. And I think we get in such a a mindset of justification, especially within the body of Christ. A brother in Christ is struggling, and our response is, like, God's grace is bigger, or whatever it is, which is a true fact, but maybe there's a reason why the Holy Spirit is convicting that person. Maybe there's a reason why they're dry. And I, I believe today, that the, I can't say the majority, I believe today that a lot of people in the church are dehydrated. And they have not to drink a fresh revelation of Christ in a very long time. And some people, I believe, from maybe since the day they were saved, they have not received a genuine revelation from Lord's sins. And then we wonder why the things of the Lord become so dry. But Jesus said, he who drinks. We have to come to the source, which is Jesus Christ. We come to the source that we will never thirst. And this, this spirit of justification, I think, was on my heart. And I think my point was proven. And there's two two um, concepts that are a little bit touching the church that have come up in my personal life. Like I said, with conversations kind of with other states removed. Um, of late, and one was was divorce within the church. And I looked up what is the divorce rate in the church. And what was even more discouraging than the actual result was the first three articles was justifying how the church's divorce rate was lower than the world's. It was everyone says it's about the same, but it's not. We're only thirty eight percent, and they're like fifty five percent. And to me, it was like only thirty eight percent. That Jesus Christ died so that people who he says could be one as the Father and him were one are divorcing each other? That's not why Christ died. And and it's because we don't don't drink from him. We lose our intimacy with him. And as a result, we have to find other things to satisfy us. Because God's put this hole in us that unless it's it's satisfied with him, we're going to need other things. And the fact that that's the the, the rate and the, the fact of the church today just shows that we lack this corporate. And how do we fix that corporate lack? Is again individually, can we receive revelation from the Lord? For those around us, can we convict and encourage them to find revelation from the Lord? And the last one, um, which really was, was probably even more discouraging, and, and part of this came from while I was taking a trip up to South Dakota this week, a um, guy I was talking about or talking to was really fired up about um, the abortion stuff going on in America today, which I am too. Like it, it, it should grieve us that this is going on in, in our country. But the thing me and him talk about what grieves me more, because for, for people who the Bible says before Christ, we are sons of disobedience, it shouldn't shock us that sons of disobedience would do wrong things. That's what the world does. But what shocks me is, I looked up this, that 68% of men in the church and 50% of pastors are addicted to pornography in the United States today. Now that shocks me. Now that breaks my heart, that, that men are losing their families, are losing their ministry over an addiction to basically basically sexual slavery. And that's within the church, but the church is supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be that light on the shi- that's shining on the hill. And then I know, I know, I know, I know in the depth of my heart that if we would go to Christ, if we would go to the fountain of living water, we wouldn't run dry, and that he would restore us. And again, it's not the point of, of to, to beat us down to, to show our failings but to see what Christ really died for and to see the hope and the victory that can be found in Jesus Christ and I know for myself and again people around me it's just it's hard to see and I'm sure it is for you guys too when, when the body of Christ and Christian friends are struggling so so much but we read this and I just believe that sometimes we can get so much in affirmation Nat um, had a good word the other day it said that um, We get the idea that encouragement is affirmation. But encouragement isn't affirmation. Encouragement is pointing to to who we are in Christ. Encouragement is pointing us to what Christ did. That's encouraging. When I know I'm struggling, people keep telling me I'm not. It's not really that encouraging because I know I'm struggling. What I really need to do is be pointed back to the the fountain of living water. Being pointed back to Christ. We're going to finish up with one more scripture. But um, we can start bringing the offering I'm up, and uh, the worship team can start um, making their way um, to the front. But in Galatians chapter 1, 12 through 13, he says, For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came to the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And Paul had this unending fuel to preach the gospel because he had an encounter of Christ that just changed him forever. And he had continual feeling of the Spirit, continual revelation from the Lord throughout his life to, to carry out what he had called him to do. My encouragement to us tonight is when we look at what is the mystery that that, that Christ has revealed to us. The mystery is that we were dead, but now we can be alive. The mystery is that we could drink and always thirst, but now we can drink and never The mystery is this wall that's been broken down or was up has now been broken down so that we can access God by the Spirit. And the encouragement today is that if that's not true in our lives, the the answer isn't just to press on harder. And for me, honestly, this week had some pretty good time of repentance of, man, what what an evil thing for me to push, push on in my strength when God has offered all this freely. And for me to say, no, I'm struggling, but I know if I read my Bible more, I'll get out instead of coming to him and repenting and just going on the floor until he changes my heart. But instead, I'm going to go play a game or meet with somebody or do something else instead of just getting to the foot of Christ and asking him to change what's, what's wrong. Not so I feel how bad I am or how wrong it is, but so that he could bring the restoration that he's died for. And so I just pray tonight or this morning as we, we bring the offering up and we go into worship that, a convicting message of um, just maybe a dryness that we've had in our walk with Christ that um, there's never anything special about I'm a little bit short so I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> there's nothing special about the altar. Uh, there really isn't. But I do believe there's something unique about obedience, physical obedience. Um, stepping in to something. And that, that if the Lord has had this on your heart I need that revelation from Christ. I haven't received true revelation from Him. I've learned new things. But I haven't received revelation in Christ in a long time or even a day. You really shouldn't go a day without it. Um, That you would take this time to just just come up to the altar and and find repentance for that. Find restoration for that. Find encouragement from that. Not from me. um, Not from anybody else in here but from God. That that he would speak to your heart. That he would lift you up. um, And he would fill you up. So during this time of worship, feel free to come up. You can pray by yourself. Um, I know there will be people willing um, to pray with you. Um, But again, I thank you guys for coming. I pray this time. For us who, who just as we sang earlier, have um, been seeing in the shadow of His wing, this revelation has been true for us. Man, to worship for that because that's an awesome thing. When we are abiding in Christ, we don't always have to be failing. Like this could be an awesome season for people in here who can just stand up and worship and glorify God uh, for what He's been doing. So I just pray that you'll be obedient um, for what the Lord um, lays on your heart during this time. I'll pray over the offering and we'll enter to worship. Um, Father God, Lord, I thank you so much all that you've given us, Lord, that, that you didn't love us um, in words only, God, you didn't love us in doctrine, God, you loved us by shedding your own blood, Lord, that you poured it out all for us, God, and I pray that this offering, God, will be stewarded well, God, as um, that the funds that have been given for your church, Lord, for your body, God, so I pray, Lord, that, that you would bless those um, who give, Father God, and those who want to give, God, that, that you say that we can test you in this, Lord, and I pray that our first fruits of our labor will be For your glory and for your purpose, Jesus, and that we would never um, give out of obligation, Lord. Better not give at all um, than to give out of obligation, Lord. Lord. So I just pray, God, that You're blessed this offering, and that we would bless You in Jesus' name. We pray. Um, yeah. From what's Alex done, if you guys wanna mingle out, um, you guys can spend some time. If you wanna spend more time um, at the altar in prayer, definitely feel do that as well. So uh, Alex, close this out for yourself. Um,
1: I'm gonna get into it, but I'm just gonna kind of do it in a prayer mode because uh, I've just been praying upstairs and I just kind of hearing the same thing over and over again. So, uh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are laid low just by the possibility of, of sitting in front of you, you the creator of the universe, Father, the, the all-powerful, the fact that you beckon us in, Father God, the, the gift that we have in your Son, the, the ability to, to just habitate that space with you, Lord. And, and what I'm hearing over and over right now is it's just he knows that we're seeking. He knows that every one of us is seeking something. And some of us, it's, It's uh, the health of ourself or or a loved one. Some of us, it's an occupation that we can't stand going to every single day. He knows we're all seeking right now, but I just keep hearing that that He's seeking to that our Father is seeking our hearts, our whole hearts. He just wants us with Him. The relationship—that's that's what He's after more than anything. That intimacy, and that whatever it is that you're seeking. What what he's seeking has to take priority. There is a process to this, and there is a tilling of the soil in our heart that has to take place before he can plant those seeds of what we think that we need. The word says that when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. Seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. It's not complicated. It's not always easy, but it's not complicated. Most of you know what he's pointing at. Most of you feel what he's highlighting you. Just bring it to him in intimacy. Vulnerability shouldn't even be a questionable thing. He knows it all anyway, and he loves you anyway. And so uh, for this time... Um, Father God we just We do We want to draw near to you We want to respond You don't just Put us us on these courses of motion You don't just give us All these instructions Just so that we can feel good About ourselves There's an action And a response That comes on the other side of it And so Father God We're going to sit up here And uh, those of us Who feel the need to respond We're going to sit up here In a corporate manner And and pray and respond In that way To you Father God and draw near to you And for the rest of you This is going to be This is going to act As your benediction Pray that you have uh, just a wonderful week. and Luke's got one thing for us, so he's gonna read. Sorry, we had one more. jenny got one thing for us. Here. So I
2: just felt like.
0: comment and if you do want to spend more time in prayer or in praying with each other Thank you.